The year is 1962. The place is Willow Point Falls. Nobody talks about what happened in the school cloakroom 10 years ago. Now, in the dead of night, Frankie Scarlatti is going to find out why. Hey, all you tricksters and treaters, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, horror movies, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. What's up, dude? Pretty sure you just said horror movies. (laughs) Yeah, it did sound a little... It did get a little close to that line, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of horror, horror, horror sounds, uh, we have maybe the loudest ch- two chairs in existence. Mm-hmm. So this week, we're covering a beloved movie to myself. Uh, and apparently there is like a pretty, pretty decent-sized cult sort of following behind this movie. Um, it's weird because I haven't seen it in so many years, but out of all horror movies... There's something about like the cover of the the tape I remember so fondly. The uh, just the vibe and something about it has like stuck with me all these years. And maybe on like just a visual level, it's uh, the number one. Um, I'm not saying it's the num- my favorite number one horror movie. However, it is definitely up there. But uh, the movie that is that we are talking about is The Lady in White. Now I gotta tell you. The thing about this cover for me was I avoided it whenever I was a kid because it came mm. out, you know, like when we were relatively young, I, it just, man, even just the cover creeped mm-hmm. me out and just yeah. the premise of it kind of creeped me out whenever I was a kid. So I never really, I don't remember watching it or at least giving it, you know, a try whenever I was a kid, but uh, mm. I've since watched it. And, mm-hmm. um, of course, own a copy on VHS. Yeah. yeah, man, there is something, like, visually or visual about it that, to me, just looks like Halloween. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, like, I, mm-hmm. I just think they did that piece perfectly. It's a, what I think a lot of movies have since tried to do, mm-hmm. but just can't quite get it right. Yeah, I think there's something in it, too, where, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into it here in a second. But I, I think there's something about you and I both... Maybe me a little more. Well, I, for sure, I'm obsessed with The Wonder Years. Mm, yeah, me too. Um, I know we're both big fans of that that show. And there's something about, like, the way they filmed that show that mm-hmm. gave it this sort of, like, sort of amber kind of, like, washy glamour shot kind of, mm. like, <laughs> yeah. like blurriness kind of thing. Yeah. And it kind of does the same thing with this movie because the movie takes place in uh, around Rochester, New York uh, in 1962 and and also you're you're kind of being told this story which i didn't really realize this back in the day but i, I did in rewatching it it's the whole movie is kind of narrated you're it's a retelling mm-hmm. of the guy that's now an adult you know of of what he experienced as a kid and so i think that was intentional of that sort of like romanticized, glossy, you know, look back into youth, you know. Mm. Um, And it's cool because it's in the 60s, so you get all that, like, amazing, like, music and mm -hmm. 
old school, you know, crappy kind of costumes, and it's really cool, dude. One of the, I loved how it opens, where you're kind of following this guy. He's got like a brown sort of trench coat. Honestly, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you a little bit, other than like it being set in the early '60s. It kind of reminds you of like the Home Alone dad, you know. In the oh airport. right, you don't see yeah. this guy's face. Mm-hmm. You just kind of see him coming out of an airport, getting into a taxi. Mm-hmm. Where to? Willow Point Falls, please. You got it. And just like a line that immediately stood out to me was like, the taxi driver's like, You know, my wife's going to have a fit when I tell her you run my cat. Because she reads everything. She reads all the time. She read your last book. What do you call that? Uh, a Fog in the Night? Right. Scared the living daylights. <laughs> I told her, take it easy. It's just a story. <laughs> so you yeah, get exactly. this like sense of like, oh, like this guy is like a relatively famous author, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like a Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. And we're like diving into his childhood. Right. Where like, you know, perhaps eventually kind of uh, inspired him to become an author about this Mm -hmm. kind of scary stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I liked that they also kind of featured this little, you know, as a kid, he was kind of the nerd. He was picked on. He was pretty isolated. But I, I love that they included, you know, it picks up on... On Halloween Day, uh, 1962, and, you know, first of all, I love, it's like this really cool kind of, I don't know, what would that be called in film? We could, I'm sure our buddies Luke and Ellis and Brad would know, but where you're kind of like, it's sort of like a, I don't know, you're kind of following this like little journey of like him riding to school on his bike mm-hmm. and and like you're seeing all like the the shops and everything, and then it kind of like, you're kind of just like with the person as they're they're kind of making their way, you know, in their day. And mm-hmm. so then it shows up at the school and there's just this wild ass party in the class. The kids are just going <laughs> bonkers. And then it has this moment, which I really love, where he he gets up in front of the class and like tells like this this story. And like some of the kids kind of make fun of him. And mm-hmm. now class, Frankie Scarlatti has written a new story especially for this occasion. The Beast That Destroyed London by Frankie Scarlatti. Be quiet. A horrible sea monster terrified the citizens just because he wanted to. One day, the prehysterical beast rose from the watery depths, covered with seaweed, and began to swallow the London citizens by the dozen. Did he brush with crests to prevent cavities? <laughs> but then, you know, the the other little girl that likes him is like, I wish I was as weird as you. Yeah, dude, two quick That's... observations, man. <laughs> so, like, as a viewer up to this point, mm-hmm. immediately I was like, that's basically Tyler mm. as a kid. Mm-hmm. And no wonder he likes this movie. And yeah. then also, I got to talk about one of my, one of my favorite characters in the movie and it's just kind of like a weird sort of, I guess they're just like, I don't know, we need some comic relief. Let's <laughs> yeah. make the kid Italian, and then he's going to have the classic Italian grandparents. Which the, is like... Dude, the grandparents <laughs> are the best, dude. Silence, silence. See you, Grandpa! Charlie! <laughs> Go easy on him, ma. Oh, sure. <laughs> Where do you get those cigarettes? What's a cigarette? Well, I will say this. They are the best, but boy, they really, they really dig in deep on that smoking joke. 
Yeah. Oh, my gosh, dude. Like yeah, 10 like times. 10 times. Hey, what's your grandpa doing? They're sitting down for dinner. Hey, what's grandpa doing? Or what's papa doing? And yeah. he's just like, yeah. he's drowning himself in the bathtub because I caught him smoking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, my it's, gosh, It's dude. funny, too, that you brought up how much I looked like the kid. What's really funny, and a lot of our listeners probably won't know this, but before you got your ears pinned, you looked. <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> You looked so much like him as a child. You just like write these ideas down of like ways to describe just absolute fiction to the listeners, so they just think I'm just like just cut it out. Listen though. Oh well, real quick on on, uh, in association with what I just said. uh, If you know, if you don't know Woody and I, we've said it a billion times, but we were in a band for years and years and years, and this is the kind of thing that we would do when we would meet new people. Like, we would just make up something that is completely random and just, like, go with it. Like, it was reality. Mm-hmm. And then the person had no choice but to kind of I mean, I think we talked about it. this before on an episode where we just pretended to be Australian for an entire— Yeah, exactly. An entire, well, I say the entire night. At some point, we just gave it up and yeah. just, <laughs> <those> <laughs> folks didn't—you know, they were none the wiser. Mm-hmm. But the— um, So the cast is, like, really cool. The grandparents— I had never seen them before. A couple things about the cast. Uh, well, first off, let's say it was produced, directed, and composed by a guy named Frank Lelogia. Nice. Who also raised all the money to make the movie, which was $4.7 million, which in 1988 was kind of a big deal. Another thing that's really interesting and really cool is he shot it all in his hometown. And it was actually based around a story that was like an urban legend uh, that he had heard since he was a little kid. Man, you know, that's funny. Like, I wondered that. It does sort of like the way that it's shot. Mm-hmm. I feel like now knowing the name of the director, yeah. um, him being Italian. Italian, right. You know, I feel like in a way as I was watching it, because, I mean, truth be told, I wanted you to do all the research on this mm-hmm. <laughs> background mm-hmm. on the movie. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like it was like a love letter, an ode to his childhood in some way. Well, yeah, so now that you say that, it's like, oh, he's probably, you know, kind of doing a more comical take on his own, like, sort of family in some way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with his grandparents and stuff. And then maybe even, like, playing on that. Maybe he was, like, the main character, mm-hmm. Frankie, whenever he was a little kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it did very much like it comes off as a story that sort of feels like, like that naturally, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. I will say this, and I, I thought this several times while while I was rewatching the movie, and I, I, you'll never hear me say this very often at all, but this movie could really be remade into a badass, like, modern-day horror yeah. movie. Because it really is like you could you can kind of see in you know it was filmed in nineteen eighty eight and you can kind of see that well first of all there were some really genius things really brilliant ways that they they utilized like technology and 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 all that and and just his you know Frank Lelogia's filmmaking is it, it to me it's brilliant because it he's kind of like covering a lot of ground. And doing a lot of different things and kind of doing them all pretty successfully. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, f- a few weird kind of little things, but again, I think, I think a lot of that was in the limitations of the time. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, it's just like I, I, I was wondering though, like how much of this 
so, you know, once I found out that, that, that this was kind of based on a, an urban legend, which actually is apparently in a place called uh, the Durand Eastman Park in Rochester, New York. Hmm. But, I, you know, to me, the most sort of iconic part, and, you know, you see it on the cover of the, you know, the cover of the movie is him in the cloakroom, mm-hmm. you know, with his like little mask on. And so I wonder, like, after finding out a little bit more about the director, was that something that happened to him maybe? Or yeah. because it's such a unique but terrifying idea. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like if you mixed, well, to quickly, I, I have to respond to whether or not I think it should be remade. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say no, because like I feel like they would modern day – they would sort of rely too much on like oh I know what you're gore saying. or like you know like well or lean in way too much on the sort of civil rights aspect well kind which of, was important but I mean like what I that's actually an aspect of the movie that I really liked actually is Me too. but you know it was kind of shocking mm-hmm. um, yeah because they use some pretty derogatory terms uh, in the movie and mm-hmm. I was kind of like oh man. You know, yeah. first thought, obviously, this would never make it this far nowadays. Yeah. But then, two, they, it's that, that, that's one thing about this movie that's kind of incredible to me, but then at the, at the same time, sort of kind of blends into the confusion a little bit, but not really. Mm-hmm. You I know, you've got this overarching sort of like theme of this kid who, well, I don't know if you want me to go into like the plot a little bit or whatever, but like, yeah, I kind of I don't want to like, ruin it necessarily so i kind of just want to like touch on it like here and there so yeah go for it but but they're basically you've got this overarching plot where this kid essentially sees a ghost Mm -hmm. and then there's this mystery surrounding basically these these uh series of child murders which is genius yeah the way they then mixed into that there's this like racial tension Mm -hmm. that is like so real man like that that's something Mm -hmm. that like I don't know. It just felt authentic, you know, um, yeah. the way yeah, that I, they put it into the movie and, and you can see, I don't know. I just thought that was a really cool way that he made it more realistic. Like I did feel, however, that boy, the resolve for all that was oof. probably the darkest part of the yeah, whole man. thing. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I mean, that's pretty real. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you were saying, like sort of the, some of the language and, I mean, is is sort of jarring as it is for us to like hear some of these things and like racial slurs and all that. Like, I, I do, I do appreciate it because you know, in 1988, as much as you hate it, which I mean, you can tell the director is like, you know, like pro civil rights. Mm, you know, mm, your big time, yeah. Your main character, like the the kid, has like a crush on a little black girl in the, in the class, and then that girl's dad is. Uh, the janitor, uh, mm-hmm. who is a black man who is wrongly accused of, of, you know, some crimes and stuff. And so you see like little moments where, you know, the you're, the characters that you like are, are all in, you know, mm-hmm. the, they're like the good guys. And so, but I, I don't know. I, I have thought like after, like what's funny, because seeing it as a kid, I don't remember any of that stuff. Right. And um, I almost do wonder if, if it could have been a little more like a little cleaner if you didn't have that. But then I wonder if you would lose 
lose a lot if you took some. Well, of, because I mean, I, the way the way it resolves, you you could take it all away, and I mean, well, I just wish. I mean, I, like, are we just really not talking about what happens in the movie? No, 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 no. no. We can, we can go into it. I, I just because if I, I remember correctly, I went through all thirteen <laughs> Friday the, or twelve, like almost minute by minute. Well, I, here's like, my I don't thing. think we're spoiling anything, man. This thing came out in 1988. Yeah, but there are a lot of people that haven't seen this we movie. We spoiled because, the village, but we're not spoiling this, bro. I mean, we didn't totally spoil the village. I'm just saying, let's not say who the the killer is. Everything else is on, is on the table. Okay. Well, okay. So, like, basically, the thing that, like, I liked about the movie is you've got so many different elements packed mm-hmm. into this one movie that just make it good. I mean, honestly. Yeah. So you've got this, like, supernatural mystery. Mm-hmm. You've got ghosts. You've got, like, it's kind of pretty, I mean, dude, honestly, if I would have seen this when I was eight, terrifying. I think I because, did, like, probably. You know, this kid, that's what I was going to say earlier. It reminds me a little bit of, you remember in The NeverEnding Story when the kid, like, hides in the, hides in the, like, thing, yeah. in the thing at school. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing here, except for like these bullies, essentially. Which one of the bullies was the kid from? Um, what's Big. No. Well, yes, he's also in Big, but he was also in Honey Asher on the Kids. Yep. Yep. He plays like the, right. uh, the younger brother of the neighbors or whatever. The, he has like a flat top. Yeah. Like spiked hair. He's a jerk. He is a jerk, man. He, in every, he, he, in like everything, you, dude. Yeah. You feel like that's the way he is in real life. He's probably super nice, but he probably you know, kind of like that kid that plays Malfoy or whatever. Like you're right, we hate him. We hate him. <laughs> but you've got this kid that's in that like attic of the school. It's dark, and this is when he like witnesses this like ghost of a young girl. Yeah. Okay. And this is where like it starts to kind of get super interesting because it's not just hey, there's a scary ghost in his school, uh, mm-hmm. right? There's like purpose behind this ghost, and then this supernatural mysteries surrounding these child killings that have happened in the Mm -hmm. past. And what we were kind of talking about earlier with like the racial tension and stuff. And like I said, man, it's 1962, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you're going to make a movie based in 1962, you, you have to have that stuff in there. Yeah. And I think like the way that this guy did it, I love like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just perfect how, you know, there's a string of uh, child killings. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, like 10, I think. Yeah, something like that. And it's over the course of many, many years, too. Yeah. Like the night that Frankie Scarlatti, Lucas Haas, or our main little kid, so the bullies hide his uh, his new, like, toboggan or beanie, I guess, if you will, yeah. in the cloakroom, which is like a, you know, storage closet kind of thing. And you'll see on the cover of the movie what we're talking about. But uh, so he goes back to get it. They lock him in there. Well, I think on that same night, the the janitor, Willie, uh, the black guy, you know, doing a little drinking on the job, and I think he passes out in the basement of the school. Mm. And so when all this kind of goes down, I think they sort of, they find him like, you know, passed out in the school and kind of connect the dots. Because one thing that happens to the kid while he's locked in this thing is, yes, he sees this apparition or whatever but then mm-hmm. after he sees this ghost of a little mm-hmm. girl like a dude comes into the coat room and notices this kid yeah and then strangles him that dude see that's the part i was thinking like yes the ghost was scary mm-hmm. but as a little kid this dude strangling a little kid 
holy smokes, right? Yeah. Terrifying. And so basically yeah. he's getting strangled and he has this like, he basically has this like near-death vision or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is a little weird. Yeah, see, it gets a little weird. But um, <laughs> When he's like flying yeah. through the town. I expected Falcor would come around in yeah, that was a second. But yeah. he, uh, he sees this girl again and she basically asks him to help her find her mom, right? Mm-hmm. Also, like, super sad, man. I mean, ooh, yeah, pretty heavy. sad. Heavy. Oh, well, actually, we're also leaving out when he's in the, they call it the cloak room, which I... I already said that. No, I know, but I'm just saying, like, that's something we don't really, at least, I, I don't know. We don't, mm-hmm. I've never used that before, but I guess that's what it was called. But little Frankie, he, before he's, like, woken up by all this stuff all this stuff kind of taking place with the ghost he's having a dream about his mom who mm. had recently died yeah. and he sees her like in a coffin and another known little fact is that's actually his real mom in the in real life oh the actor mhm oh wow which is kind yeah of, that that scene was kind of heavy like, too man yeah i know not exactly like a kid this isn't a kids halloween movie i wouldn't yeah i don't i don't think mm. so at all uh one thing i will say that that kind of did bug me a little bit on the one hand, I think it's brilliant the way that they do this. Like, I think it's brilliant how they they kind of, like, it, it's what's called the stone tape theory where, like, a ghost or an apparition is, like, you know, if you look as, like, a ghost as, like, a spirit or whatever, which I'm on the fence. I don't, I don't know what they are. But it's almost like something that, something takes place in real life that it, you know, you expel so much energy that mm. you almost imprint on our plane of existence. So... You know, you go to this haunted house at midnight. Well, it's mm-hmm. almost like it's it's just going to replay the same thing. It's like, like when, a loop, right? It's like a loop, yeah. And you're going to, you know, that's why if you go to Gettysburg, you're going to see, Come on, you man. know, soldiers that are still staring around the, you know, like standing around the fire or Giving wearing it away. The, Ruining huh? it. What? Giving it away. Ruining it. No, 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 I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but the thing that, so... So, you know, I think it's brilliant because they they just show her and then, you know, the killer or whatever, they never show him. So you're just seeing this girl like reacting Mm -hmm. to, you know, nothing basically, which is kind of brilliant. Like it's a really smart thing. My only issue though is that like if you're going to go along with like the stone tape theory where, you know, you see her like replaying and like, this whole event playing out where, you know, she's like, of course, that's your favorite song. Da, 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 da. Because the killer has like this song that he, that he sings. Like, have you ever seen a dream walking? Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of scary. It's like a B- Bing Crosby song. But, uh, you know, she's talking. And so it's this replaying of an event, which is the stone tape theory. But then after that moment, it's like, then the gr- the ghost just goes on as normal, like communicating with Frankie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that was a little, a little odd. It's but, like a mixture of, um, yeah, you know, theories yeah. or whatever. It's like if she has free will and she's able to just, you know, show up and do whatever and talk to this kid, then like, why is she having to also replay this like really terrible, you know, thing that happened? Yeah. So kind of coming back to uh, this kid gets strangled out, basically. Has this mm-hmm. vision while he's like, you know, losing air. For whatever reason, whoever strangles him, yeah, leaves him at the scene. Uh, yeah. That's when, you know, he's found, he's revived. And so it's not just, hey, he was locked in the closet, you know, lock up the freaking janitor. You know, mm-hmm. it's, hey, he was found in his 
in this closet or whatever, but he was also strangled. Right. And Willie is drunk on campus there. And so he's arrested immediately because, I mean, yeah. things don't look great, right? And one of the police officers, which is an asshole, is like, well, he's black, so case closed. Yeah, yeah. Yep, so. exactly. And and you kind of feel like th- there there is like a sense, again, because I didn't know really where the movie was going or what was going to happen. You get this like sense like people are in on it a little bit. Like mm-hmm. there's kids missing, you know, in a way. And I think this happens a lot now even. Uh, not necessarily just like people getting blamed for crimes or whatever. That's not where I was going. But that the easy answer is like a great one to use for the police because, hey, look, we got them. We, you know. Right. Just is going to be served. And the scary thing is that potentially, like in this movie, mm-hmm. the killer could still be at large. Right. Right. I mean, I, I'm with you in that, like, I feel like to experience this movie, people, pr- I think they should kind of, from here on, in, in terms of what we talk about, mm-hmm. I don't really want to uncover a lot of plot, really, because I don't know. It, it's up to you. But I like, I feel like there's I kind of a lot. See it, it gets though. a little, it gets a little. Yeah. You know, it hard does. to explain a little bit. Yeah, I, I think, and, you know, again, I don't know how much we're going in, but to me, the, and what was funny is, like, even seeing this, you know, for this being a movie that was, like, so sort of, like, poignant to me as a kid and, like, stuck with me, I, I was always kind of confused of, like, what the whole Lady in White was because mm-hmm. because there's a few sort of, like, misdirects even as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Should, I mean, should we give it away? I don't I mean, kind of. I mean, basically, basically, there's, there's, okay. So there's the little girl that's now the ghost. Her name is Melissa. Okay. She's she's strangled by this killer, mm-hmm. and then I guess thrown off this cliff. Mm-hmm. There's this house, like you know, at the edge of town, which is kind of like the house in in every small town. That's right. You know, whatever. And creepy. Yeah, creepy, and you know, abandoned and all that. And she was thrown off the cliff. Well, then the in response to that, I guess her mom like jumped off the cliff to like kill herself, maybe. Yeah. And then the her mom's sister, which would be the aunt. This is what I mean as far as like the misdirect yeah. of like who's the lady in white. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the myth is like the lady in white, which is Melissa, the little girl ghost's mom. Like she wanders the cliffs looking for her daughter, mm-hmm. and then her sister it, it kind of went insane. So she lit, she's like this old lady who actually is Mona from uh, Who's the Boss? Yeah, for all those those 80s kids. Uh, but she kind of went nuts because her sister committed suicide and jumped off the cliffs. And so she lives in this abandoned house. And so that's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. it's funny because when I was watching it, like, for some odd reason, I was thinking that she was the lady in white. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, 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 she's... She's, well, I mean, she's nuts, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like when he wakes up in, in the house, and there's like, I mean, l- quite literally a million candles. Oh, yeah. All over the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to leave the ending. Like, I think yeah, people, I this too. is a movie I think people should uh, should check out, especially if you like, you know, movies that were made in the 80s. But, mm-hmm. you know, any kind of sort of, it's not like now watching it, it's not so much scary. It's just kind of like... It's more interesting than it is scary, really, and nostalgic because you get to see know, this, like, well, I mean, no, trust me, dude, there's some heavy stuff, like, 
you know, being a parent thinking it's just like, it's a little much, but. Well, I mean, that's all terrible, but I mean, I'm just saying even just the visuals of like him being stuck in that closet and the way like that cold light of the moon. Mm. Well, honestly, this is one of the things that really scared me for some reason. Even, even now, it like immediately took me back as a kid when, when he's locked in the cloakroom and the school is closing and he looks out that, you know, sort of half circle window at the top of the cloakroom. Mm-hmm. He looks outside and he can see a cemetery down below and he sees like his two, the two little bullies who are the, you know, little jerks who locked mm-hmm. him in there. They're like running away and the sun's going down. Yeah. And it's just like, oh man, this is like, it just, uh, there's yeah, something it's just about. Like a, you, just like you said, like with the way the guy filmed it and his storytelling, mm-hmm. like, he can invoke that sort of, you right. know exactly what that feels like to be like, oh my right. God, I'm trapped and these guys are running away. Like they're the yeah. ones that could let me out. What You know, mm-hmm. um, and then just having to like think about like, am I going to have to spend the night here? Like I've got to spend the night in this big building all by myself. Yeah. And it's, ugh, it's, it's just, it, it is kind of freaky. And so like, I think that the way that this guy tells this story, mm-hmm. I think it, it is worth people, you know, watching oh yeah for themselves and i mean what i love about this movie and us kind of wanting to talk about it during the uh the october spectacular is it's not necessarily on the list i think when people think of oh no halloween movies right right because it's it has a lot more of like a cult following a lot of people yeah. listening right now probably hadn't even you know heard of it before and that that's why i don't want to give it away because like yeah it is such a cool movie, especially if you're anything like us, which, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. Mm-hmm. There's just that, like, like such a strong, like, gravitational pull to, like, all things, like, nostalgic and your mm-hmm. youth and, like, being dressed up in, like, like badly made homemade costumes. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's just something that's so special and so magical about that growing up in the, you know, 60s for you, me, the 80s. Come on. But, uh... <laughs> Um, it like th- even if you take away all the you know quote unquote like horror aspects of this movie just like the like the ephemera and like the vibe of the movie is is totally worth yeah. the watch it immediately 100%. makes you feel like remember what it was like to ride your yeah. bike around your neighborhood to mm-hmm. to you know uh see your friends to to just go outside this time yeah. of year as a kid and just like look forward to you know, seeing your crush around school, going and mm-hmm. trick-or-treating, like all these things, this movie kind of reminds me. And frankly, if you're into like true crime type stuff, yeah, this kind of has it. That's what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. it's got a mixture of all that stuff. There's some supernatural elements, there, but it's mm-hmm. not so necessarily over the top. You know, it all makes sense. There's a reason behind the supernatural piece. And mm-hmm. and then if, again, you've got that sort of racial tension, social justice type mm-hmm. realism that, that was the early 60s. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, I like that kid, man, Lucas Haas or whatever. He, yeah, he's he, awesome. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he he was in uh, My Chemical Romance, the Black Parade video. Um, he's like a musician. He's been on like a lot of stuff. Mars Attacks. Um, I swear we saw him when we were out in L.A., dude. I at, 100% at, think at, um, I, I thought that too. Uh, what you call um, not when we were out in Silver Lake, but at uh, what's the, the name of the uh, not the beauty Viper bar, Room, maybe? Uh, yeah, well, we had our showcase at the Viper Room, or maybe like the Rainbow. I don't know. That's where we Heck, saw, dude. I is bet that where we saw Lemmy? 
Yeah, yeah, it was. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> and you went, uh, you went over to him and you're like, hey, man, uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah. Tyler was like, All right, I'm going to go buy, I'm going to, yeah, no, too soon. I'm going to go buy this guy a beer. So Tyler like walks over there and, and then, you know, he's on the other end of this, this bar or whatever. Yeah. Kind of by himself off. Yeah. 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 Like, obviously doesn't want to be bugged by not at all anyone, but you know, Hey, if you know anything about Tyler, yeah, he's going to do it anyway. Hey, um, hey. Uh, so we watch him sort of like walk down there. We see him like kind of have this, you know, exchange. Basically, Tyler kind of walks back and he's like, yeah, he said he didn't want one. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well. So he, had, he, like, he was smoking a joint. Yeah, so that's what was cool. Is like Long before weed was legalized. Oh, right? not even, yeah, way long time ago. I walk up and I say, hey, man, uh, big fan. You know, we're all the way out here from Atlanta. Uh, can I buy you a drink? And I realized, like, as I'm saying this, that, like, in his ashtray, and he's sitting, like, at the bar at the end. So it's, yeah, like, in you can tell it's probably, like, everyone. yeah, it's, like, his, like, personal little spot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I realized he's just smoking a joint. And then he reaches, like, under, and there's, like a, like, a shelf or something. And he held up, like, you know, like a bottle of, like, Jameson or Jack or something. Um, and it was funny because at the time I remember feeling kind of, like, a little deflated a little Mm, bit. mm -hmm. But like in retrospect, it's like, no, that's actually way more bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's as cool as it could have been, you know? Yeah. But he he was nice. Yeah, he wasn't rude or anything like that. Yeah. You you wanted to fight that one guy that bumped into you, though. Yeah, the poor guy, man. (laughs) I just kept on standing in this doorway and this, you know, he's not even a bartender, he's a bar back, which means you're you're, you're hauling ice and and, uh, dishes to and from and... uh, I just kept on getting in his way. And he's like, hey, man, do you, do you mind not standing in this doorway? And I was just the whole rest of the night just staring him down. What an oh. idiot. But, talk- and didn't he say something like? Dude was like, he probably weighed 250 pounds of pure strength. And yeah. he was like a good, I don't know, he probably like 6'5 or something. But he was super nice, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what was Dude, so funny. Literally no reason why I should have been mad at this guy for any reason at all. All and yeah. I was just an idiot. Is what we've had was. a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've probably <laughs> definitely had a lot of just sort of idiotic moments. I mean, I've thousands. You know, um, but who's counting? Who's counting? Uh, a couple things. The dad in the movie, Alex Rocco, was mm-hmm. in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. He was the voice of Carmine Falcone in Batman Year One. Whoa, he was a little bit. He was in The Godfather. People that are fans of The Godfather, like mm-hmm. myself, I literally watch it every single year. Mm-hmm. during Thanksgiving, yep. like the whole trilogy. Yep, same. You yep. might remember the, you know, he's the one that basically uh, Fredo betrays Michael. Well, I'm actually lying because I've never seen the whole movie. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. <laughs> well, that's, uh, boy, that's tragic, man. But no worries. Yeah. This year's the year. Okay, good. I've got it on every format you can imagine. Except for Laserdisc. I was going to say, you got Laserdisc over there? No, I do have a Top Gun Laserdisc, but I digress. Hmm. Dude, here's... Now... Uh, wait, hold on, sorry, real sorry, quick. Sorry, sorry. So, he was also in uh, the 66 Adam West Batman show, which is amazing. Mm. He was on The Simpsons. He was on that Smoking Aces movie, which I saw a while back and it's actually... Oh, it's a great movie, man. Great movie. Oh, dude, he and, was in uh, That Thing You Do. God, you just stole my oh, stole gosh, my sorry, line, dude. Well, you're taking a long time to get there. I didn't. 
Yeah, he's the the owner of Playtone Records, which yeah. that thing you do, if you haven't seen that movie. Come on, what's wrong with like you? That's like one of the best movies ever made. So good. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing, the brother. Come on, pretty baby. <laughs> okay, the brother, on. Gino, is a, is a kid named Jason Presson who was the third kid in Explorers. Oh, there was Ethan Hawke. That's what I knew him from. River Phoenix and yes. this kid. Because he has that like great like voice that like mm-hmm. kind of. Man, I was wondering what I was like. Where do I know this kid from? Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I think it's just these two movies, and that's it. Yeah, it's probably that is probably it. Go mm-hmm. see this movie; it's awesome. I don't want to spoil it, you know, any more. I mean, I feel like we already kind of no, because we didn't. Well, well, that's true. We haven't. Yeah, we yeah. we didn't talk about the whole ending, which is like a whole other thing. I mean, really, the whole truthfully, ending. Yeah, part of the reason why I don't want to give it up isn't just so much because I don't want to spoil it. It's just. The way that the storytelling is done, even mm-hmm. as good as we are at storytelling, I just feel like this guy did it did it right, and I think it deserves to be watched, man. Yeah. Well, I'm not a good storyteller at all. Um, Almost didn't even get through that sentence. <laughs> I, I, it was a tough go. Yeah, there I'm but get either time. Um, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, it it is an awesome movie, and it's like I don't know. I, I hope that I hope that it's not that sort of built-in nostalgia that that like is why we or and I like it so much but it is like just a lot of sort of no obscure. dude I would have I would have ripped it to shreds I like nostalgia too but if it just didn't quite hold up okay. I would have okay. said that man I think it does I mean it's got that small town vibe like mm-hmm. and we're not talking about this other movie that I'm about to bring up right now but mm-hmm. I'm just saying I enjoy uh, storytelling that doesn't have to use certain things as a crutch. Right. Like, you, like there's certain movies that like, the you know, especially as a kid, the only reason people watch them is it's just like, hey, man, but there's like a sex scene. That's cool mm-hmm. and all, but I'm just saying if that's the crutch, then it's crappy storytelling. Same with like yeah. cussing sometimes mm-hmm. or like gore, you know? This is one of those movies that has like the suspense, the mystery, the supernatural element, no gore. Yeah, that's really. true. You know, and and another movie that's like that that I didn't really realize, man, until I rewatched it recently, is freaking Halloween, the original Halloween movie. Mm. Really? Yeah, I haven't man. seen it. In a I long mean, time. almost no gore, dude. The way that it's like, like obviously we're gonna have to do this next yeah. year during mm-hmm. the spectacular because, dude, it is quickly becoming my favorite part one of any of these franchises that we always mm. talk about. See, I always, I was always Nightmare on Elm Street. So I, I always felt like it was a little too like primitive, yeah. like and, buffoon, and I think, you know, bad guy. I, you know? I think a lot of, well, that's what I'm saying, dude. No, it's not really a buffoon bad guy. I know what you're saying, but it's, I think a lot of people that are into the gore mm-hmm. stuff probably think it's just like, mm, lame. But to me, it's like the fact that they could tell the story. It could be terrifying. Mm -hmm. There's certain things that they use in Halloween. Like you can hear them breathing in the mask and like just stuff like that. That is just freaky as heck, man. But anyway, Mm -hmm. we're not talking about that movie today. Yeah. Well, real quick, Lady in White, there's so many sort of abstract ideas that that honestly could have spiraled out into their own movie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes it so great is there's so many like – little threads that like i mean that, that aren't even really like subplots they're just kind right. of like hey we're gonna throw this out and it's like 
No, that could be a whole movie. Like have a whole movie on like the the civil rights aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which boy, the car scene. Oof. Man, I did not expect that, dude. I, I kind of remembered it as it was happening. Oh, I was my like, God. Ugh. Yeah. But like, I guess you know, that's that, the only gore, really. Oops. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it really is a brilliant movie. Go out and see it. And uh, yeah, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love yeah, to hear what you think for about sure. it. Now, here's one of the reasons why I was excited about doing this topic. After these messages, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. All right, so it's so, well, you know, now that we're doing this podcast, I can't really use the word coincidence anymore, but mm-hmm. like the synchronicity, synchronicity about yeah. us and you wanting to do this movie for October Spectacular coincided exactly with the moment that I happened to be reading mm-hmm. Where the Footprints End. Where'd you get it? And you gave it to me for my birthday. Mm-hmm. Signed, there copy. It is. Yep. Uh, it's a book by Joshua Cutchin and Timothy Renner. Our um, buddy Tim. And Hope you're well. Yes, and also Timothy Renner hosts the Strange Familiars podcast, which is mm-hmm. outstanding. Yep. One of our favorite podcasts that exists out there. And I've actually been on that podcast before, That's before right. we started our podcast. Holy and it's about Lady and White, isn't it? Uh, there is one. Yeah, we'll, actually, we'll talk about that. Uh, not this episode, but yep. during the Same. Halloween season. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyways, I'm reading this book, mm-hmm. and to give you kind of a synopsis of what this book is, is not necessarily about, but essentially it's approaching high strangeness and the Bigfoot phenomenon with, Mm -hmm. in this volume, it's a two-volume series of books, Mm -hmm. and it kind of takes takes a look at like folklore. It basically looks at accounts throughout history and their either parallels, their similarities, or their downright just exact copies Mm -hmm. of phenomenon that happen and how they relate to either Bigfoot sightings or Bigfoot events. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're almost exactly alike. Sometimes they are simultaneous. And sometimes they're just, I mean, no matter what, it's all like super, super interesting. Everything from like wild yeah. men sightings, the fae, alien 
UFO sightings, you know, uh, and I'm, these are broad topics. I mean, they dive super deep, um, mm -hmm. witches, ghosts, and of course, women in white. Yep. Now, right. I'm telling you, man, this book is full of those kind of moments when you're like, oh my gosh, I never thought of that. And, and, and like the, the way that these guys write it, man, isn't, it's just like Jacques Vallée. They're not trying yeah, to convince yeah, you of anything. They're literally presenting similarities. They're mm -hmm. presenting these things for you to decide for yourself. Yeah. You know? I feel like Disembodied Voices is kind of along that yeah. line too. Yeah. yeah. What's cool about the movie The Lady in White is it's sort of a loosely based on like a, the woman in white sort of mythos. Yeah, mythos that exists throughout culture mm -hmm. around the world, dude. And yeah. so I think yeah, in, one of the, in literally every culture. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like as you're it's 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 something that I think is so ingrained in our own zeitgeist that like when you think of a ghost, you kind of think of a woman, you know what I mean? A woman mm -hmm. who's wearing white. And yeah. I mean, when I say like all around the world, I'm I'm really not even kidding you. I mean, Everywhere from Brazil, Canada, the Czech Republic, Estonia, Germany, Hungary, Ireland, Japan, Malta, Netherlands, Norway, Philippines, Russia, Switzerland, Thailand, the UK. Yeah. And of course, here in the US, have some sort of version of this woman in white legend. Mm -hmm. It's basically a female ghost, again, typically dressed in a white garment of some kind, of like a dress or just something. Really, especially here in the US, seen in rural areas and typically surrounding local legends of tragedy. And there's kind of like the connection between the movie that we just talked about. Right. And mm -hmm. also this sort of like legend. Which, which, by the way, like one of the things that I think is is worth noting is, at least for myself, it's like when you hear Woman in White, you think of like sort of Victorian era because it's been like sort of so profound in mm -hmm. like pop culture. Yeah. You know, as far as like ghosts and hauntings and like, oh, they're Victorian and they're... But th it was really interesting to find like from the Philippines reaching way mm -hmm. back before mm -hmm. the Victorian era, era, you know, it just being some sort of white garment, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's there's variations of, you know, what, like, why are you seeing this person? What is their purpose? Like a lot of them do lean towards sort of like in the movie where it's something tragic happened to them. They're kind of in and around that area, not necessarily in a loop, but can't be put to rest. Their soul can't move on until mm. justice is served kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know? So from the book, man, some of this stuff, like, and I know that we, and we're going to talk about these books, uh, Where the Footprints End, in greater depth throughout this year. There's just so much that yeah. I just can't, like, literally as I'm reading it, I'm making notes, I'm underlining stuff. It's like a textbook but not in a boring way. I mean, it's just like, I want to soak up so much of this information. But in the chapters where they're talking about the woman in the white legend and how it potentially can relate to Bigfoot and stuff, it says, even when observed separately, Bigfoot and women in white share some common ground, both geographically and thematically. Women in white apparitions and Bigfoot are both frequently seen along the roadside, mm -hmm. on battlefields, and in graveyards. In the latter two examples, battlefields and graveyards, a lot of times they may sort of like be signaling an upcoming death. Mm. Here's something interesting too 
that if any of you listeners are into like, you know, Native American lore, a lot of a Native American cultures regard Bigfoot as an omen of impending death. Mm. Mm-hmm. There are so many examples throughout the world, kind of like we talked about earlier, that especially, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. So it, everything from like a banshee. I was good, I was just about to say this I mean, think about like this, dude. Yeah. When, when you start to read descriptions of banshees, right, what do they do? They're screaming, right? Mm-hmm. They, that's they're, probably, well, they're wailing. Yeah, well. wailing and yeah. making these weird noises off in the distance. Or technically it's called, is it called like like keening or haining? Gosh, I don't It's know. something. Yeah. I, yeah. But, I mean, again, similar accounts. It's like crying, like mourning, mm-hmm. like a sound of... You can, yeah. you could, dude, you could Google right now, listener, Bigfoot sounds. And there's yeah. going to be descriptions of people hearing what sounds like a woman crying in the woods. Mm. Or, um, I've never thought of that. Yeah, dude. Chill, full body chills, man. As man. I'm reading this stuff, okay? Check out this one. So <clears throat> there's a, there's this Welsh equivalent to the Irish banshee. And I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Welsh, but go ahead and give it a shot. Okay. Grach e Rabian. I think good. that was pretty good. Yeah, you know, good. I think I, I think did, I mean, do I speak Welsh now? I think you do. Okay, fluent. I'm going to add that to my uh, CV. Anyway, the resume. It translates to be the hag of the dribble. She comes at nightfall or after nightfall, and flaps her leathery wings against windows of houses and warns of death with a broken howl. Now, man, again, if you're into Bigfoot, what does that sound like? Yeah, guys, we've heard crazy. reports of Bigfoots tapping on windows. Yeah, that's crazy. So I think like one, the, you know, the foretelling of an upcoming impending death is mm-hmm. kind of like relatively one of the most sort of popular reasons for the legend, especially throughout like Eastern Europe and, and that kind of thing. I mean, there are like some famous cases like the White Lady of Brandenburg, mm. who basically was seen before the death of members of like high families associated with that house. Isn't there one with like... Isn't it pretty prevalent with, like, the death of children and stuff? Yeah, so basically that kind of leads toward this other one. What you're talking about in terms of the connection between women and white and children, there is this, like, again, the the White Lady of Rosenberg Palace, her name was Bertha, which itself is the medieval form of Perchta. Mm, There you go. Yeah, we're talking, right? Perchta was the Teutonic moon goddess Mm -hmm. said to live in the mountains like... Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Said Wait, to have, w- w- wouldn't Perch to like, she was like wait, on our Christmas episode, yeah, just right? Uh, no, I think we may have mentioned it when we talked about. Um, Why does that sound familiar? Well, I'll tell you. Good, man. You're good. You've got this like encyclopedic knowledge that I just have to unlock. <laughs> so people are like witnessing this happen in real time, but just yeah. keep listening. Okay. So basically she has this great love for children. She calls them from the wilderness which reminds me of another legend in Alabama, but it's, we'll get there soon. Mm-hmm. Calls them from the wilderness. However, the children that go to her, the children that follow those calls, were doomed to death, dude. Wow. Now, just and in I case our that. listeners don't know, real quick, Bigfoot creatures also apparently have like a fascination with the children beckoning them into the woods in some cases. In 1902, a uh, California family in Redding, California, reported mm-hmm. that this like hairy wild man was watching their children in March mm-hmm. of 1902. The wild man threw stones and after gaining attention of the child, beckoned to him while making a peculiar sound with its mouth. 
the Harrisburg Telegraph on November 18, 1871, talked about a black-eyed wild woman who was as swift as a deer. Wow. With a great fondness for children, had leapt over a fence and carried off a toddler who was playing in a field. Mm. Which, I mean, that's kind of like the Hansel and Gretel. Right. The Baba Yaga, the Slavic Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So kind of getting back to Perchta, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. uh, thought to be from Old High German, possibly meaning the bright one. Mm. Some legends even having the goddess Perchta clad in, you guessed it, all white. Wow. She can appear as young and beautiful or elderly and haggard. Mm-hmm. Dude, I don't know if you want to get into this here, but um, Timothy Renner also connects this with, this is just so cool to me, dude. He says, connecting Perchta to those pesky three-toed Bigfoot tracks. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. said that one or both of Frau Perchta's feet were quite large and took the form of a goose or swan's foot. Wow. Yeah, dude. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. Even in the the Kelly Hopkinsville mm, goblins, mm-hmm. they had like the three toes. And and that is a big thing that, that Timothy Renner kind of touches on like throughout like cryptozoology is like there are these weird little accounts of like the three toed footprints. Yeah. Which are not typical for your, you know, uh standard we'll say. Yeah, your your like Bigfoot hunter guys who mm-hmm. just think it's a gigantopithecus. Right. Here's something else that's super interesting, man. So Perchta has, well, we can, we'll call it an entourage, mm. okay? Some of them are the souls of children who died answering her call. They're known as Heimchen. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but please forgive. You definitely did. <laughs> so th- those are actually visually manifested as like will-of-the-wisps. So think back wow. to other Bigfoot sightings when they talk about little yeah orbs uh, orbs and lights which by the way this feels a lot like the witch in uh the the movie brave mm-hmm. which my daughter won't watch anymore because she's terrified of the will of the wisps so really yeah. well i should definitely not i've got a story about orbs that is pretty fascinating but i'm really i'm kind of holding off meanwhile mm-hmm. frau perch does other attendance in her entourage Basically, dude, it's like a straight line linking her directly to Bigfoot because check this out. They're a horde called the Perched, a horde of frightening wild men with soot black faces, wild hair, and covered by the skins of animals. Mm. And they descend from the wilderness, and this is where you remember it from, around Christmas tide. Yeah, I knew it. Yeah, that's cool. And what they do is they harass people by throwing stones at houses. Now, Which is common it's been Bigfoot. many episodes since we did this, but we talked a little bit about rocks and stones being yep. thrown at a cabin mm-hmm. when we covered the Ape Canyon incident. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fred. Fred Beck, yeah. Yeah, sorry. And I'll get back to that in just a second. That is a pretty cool kind of connection between, you know, I think we briefly mentioned her when we talked about Krampus. Mm-hmm. Krampus yeah. back when we did the Christmas episodes. Which, which by the way, not to cut you off, but man, it's been a while since I cut you off. Mm. Well, um, even if you're a hardline skeptic and you think, oh, well, every single one of these things are just cautionary tales to keep kids out of the woods at night and to be in before, dawn, you know, you know, sunset and all that. Like, there's still something that that is so 
like high strangeness, so sort of like bizarre that it kind of lends more credibility to there being something to it, you know? Mm, mm-hmm. It's just very like oddly specific in like little areas that, that it's like, even if it was, it was all sort of embellished, there had to be like something there first that kind of, you know, preempted Prompted this. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just like account after account after account that has this really interesting connection to either wild man or a Bigfoot type creature and a woman in white. Like in 1910 in Iowa, there were a lot of reports of, of people kind of being terrorized by what they described as like a wild being. Mm-hmm. And they went on these searches and they formed all these like posses and stuff. And, and they went out into the wilderness looking for something, but they never found it. Then later in July of 1910, they discovered this body of a murdered man and mm. was found like nude floating in this river in the same area where this wild man had been seen. Mm. Now this is where it gets even crazier, man. The following night, travelers that were kind of like on a nearby road were kind of passing the murder site. Mm-hmm. And as they got closer, they noticed a woman dressed in white mm-hmm. emerge from the foliage, waving her arms. Oh, wow. So so was she trying to like sort of lure like a siren kind of Well, thing? witnesses kind of reported that they, that the being was possibly enacting a pantomime of the murder, much oh. like in the movie that we were, yeah. that we talked about earlier. Like a stone tape, like mm-hmm. a loop. Mm-hmm. This kind of does feel like sort of the, the weeping, mm. you know, forlorn, like mother, like weeping for her child, like the uh, La Llorona. Dude. Kind of thing. Literally, next paragraph in the book, dude. <laughs> yeah. So, what you're talking, what Taj talking about, is <clears throat> a lot of kind of communities in Mexico and mm-hmm. in the southern United States, like um, have this legend of La Lorna, mm-hmm. and which translates to be like the crying woman, which is a right. ghostly female who moans, screams, and cries in the night. Mm-hmm. Not always clad in white, but most of the representations of La Lorna mm-hmm. have that ghost sort of draped in white gowns and stuff. But I th- I think she also has an affinity for children, dude, and said that, like, she kidnaps yeah. young ones before drowning them. That's that's what I was about to say. I think she's different because it, it's like she kind of plays up this, like, oh, I'm so sad, my child, whatever. But I think her deal is, like, she's upset because she's the one who drowned her children. Mm. And so by her moaning and, and, like, you know, mourning and stuff on the, on the banks of of like bodies of water, she lures children out to like drown them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's kind of like a somewhat famous one, well, a famous woman in Hawaii that said to be in the village of Pond Bank, Pennsylvania. Mm. And the specter appears around this village's namesake pond. And it's supposed to be the ghost of a woman who drowned her child like La Lorna. Wow. Or La Lorona. Mm-hmm. And then she drowned herself. And so, like, the local legend there, man, is that if, if you stand by the pond and mm-hmm. chant, white lady, white lady, I have your baby. Oh, that's right. The spirit okay. will appear. Yeah, I've heard that. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty scary. By the way, in case you're, like, super smart about geography and you recognize the name Pond Bank or perhaps maybe you live close to that area, it sits right on the edge of this forest. It's called... 
the Mitchell Forest, and it's one of the most active areas for Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania. Wow. <laughs> so there's, Jeez. I mean, oh, just, which by the way, Pennsylvania, I think that's, I think Timothy Renner lives in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Yeah. Now you kind of, we kind of like touched on this, but you definitely brought it up when we were talking about the movie. Where we're at down south, we have several of these legends of our own. Mm-hmm. One of them being on the Gettysburg battlefields. You mentioned like people seeing sort of like soldiers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sitting around a campfire or wandering yeah. fields, um, sometimes, you know, kind of looking for limbs and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Gettysburg has actually been kind of a hot spot for even UFO sightings and mystery lights yeah. over the years. This Gettysburg woman in white is kind of seen around the area of what's called Spangler Spring. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of more along the lines of like the more traditional sort of uh, lore around women in white. She is a ghost of an unnamed woman who, in the 1880s, went to meet her sweetheart at the spring, and then learned that he was promised to another. So, she then committed suicide. And when the young man found her, he found her as she was just dying, and so like she like died in his arms, is the way that the legend Ooh. goes. Wow. Yeah. And so people, yeah, real dark. And so people kind of talk about seeing this woman in white in Gettysburg and they attribute it to being her. Hmm. Also, I mean, since we talked about it, Gettysburg also has Bigfoot and wild man encounters. Some people call it like the Gettysburg gorilla. I did not know this. Timothy Renner kind of talks about how it could be more than one creature because the reports of the Gettysburg gorilla, the size varied from everything from five feet tall to over seven feet tall. But in 1921, it brought a flap of these gorilla sightings throughout Pennsylvania, which if you kind of go through them, almost sound like they're modern day sightings. I mean, just exact. I mean, even from like simple roadside crossings to creatures peeking in windows and attacking dogs. See Um, that, and that's the stuff that, that you and I, I think that's so fascinating because it's like, even what's even more fascinating than like aimless sort of spirits walking around Gettysburg is the is the idea of like no let's go back further when like these soldiers were sort of camped in the area they're getting taken out by these like bigfoots mm. or big feet well no bigfoots I think like I think that's bigfoot or yeah yeah I guess uh, that's pretty fascinating yeah this one's a little closer to home which I love and we have to take a field trip there mm. another. Famous Civil War battlefield is Georgia's Chickamauga. Mm. And in Chickamauga, there's two really interesting legends that exist. One of them, of course, is a woman in white legend mm-hmm. who is said to be the spirit of a mourning woman whose fiance was actually killed in battle. Mm. She's seen in conjunction of with mystery lights. She supposedly has this like torch that she carries across the battlefield, and so people report seeing a young girl in like a wedding gown, which again, white dress, right? Yeah, yeah. Carrying a torch like off in the distance, man, in Chickamauga. Just roaming and roaming. Wait, where is Chickamauga? It's like north, northwest Georgia. And, And it like, it borders Tennessee as well, but it's like Fort Oglethorpe area. The, the reason I ask, because when I used to work at Ingalls as a kid, this woman told me this story, you know, she was like an older lady. She said that you could, you know, you could, you, the only way to get to this like old house homestead was to be on this dirt road for like 
15 miles. So it took you forever to get out there, but it's still owned by like the original family or whatever. Something happened. This guy was off at war, comes back home to the house when the wife's had went into town or whatever, and he finds letters that she had been having, like, an affair on him while he was off at war. And apparently he ended up, like, killing the whole family while she was gone and pretty dark stuff. Yeah. But apparently this house or this old homestead was left, like, exactly. Like, the notes are still scattered on the bedroom floor. Mm. Apparently there was a ghost of, like, the woman because she was gone and like I guess the husband had like killed all mm-hmm. five children and so you see sightings of like the woman looking for her kids man so I wonder if like I'm sure if we looked hard enough we could find I'm definitely gonna look at I haven't thought of this in years and years but that's interesting yeah man I mean I'm sure there's connections there I think there are all these legends kind of have these similarities you know like it's always mm-hmm. sort of like a woman it's some sort of tragedy has befallen you know and mm-hmm. for whatever reason that like you said earlier that energy i don't know it's interesting man oh but before we kind of get away from chickamauga mm-hmm. there's also a really interesting legend that is tied to the area for that time period called old green eyes uh it sounds familiar but i don't know what it is Again, just something else that really kind of ties these two entities together in a very strange, strange Mm -hmm. way. So there's this corpse-eating monster Mm. that's been lurking around Chickamauga since the battles began, like the Civil War time, during the Civil War. And so as the story goes, yeah, this large, wait for it, hairy creature with like these green piercing eyes were seen picking over the corpses of the Confederate soldiers and then pulling and making off the bodies during, like, you know, breaks in the fighting. Wow. This dude that was, like, the chief historian of the battlefield named Edward Timney, or Tinney, Mm -hmm. said he saw Old Green Eyes while hiking on a trail in the park on a foggy night back in 1976. And he said to, like, he described it as something that was human in shape, yet inhuman. Long Wait a minute, hair. so it's it's been around since the Civil War mm-hmm. and then still seen being again seen. in the 70s? Oh, yeah. Still ah, being seen. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. It has long hair, shining greenish, orange eyes, fang-like teeth. And uh, he says the creature wore a dark cape that seemed to be flapping in the wind, um, but there was no wind that night. So I don't know if this is like a hmm. uh, count green eyes or, <laughs> yeah. or what, but that's, uh, that's pretty wow. crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But before we close it out, man, you know, let's talk a little bit about Ape Canyon for a second. Mm-hmm. I think we did something that a lot of people are kind of, quote unquote, well, I'd say criticized for, but also guilty of. And that is like condensing the story of Ape Canyon into kind of a well-packaged mm-hmm. sort of story of Bigfoot, right? There are several details that in the time capsule that we did about Ape Canyon, you know, we didn't really put in there. I think we talked about it briefly during the episode, but I wanted to make sure, especially as it relates to the women in white, that we kind of touched on them real quick here because there is this sort of like spiritual aspect to oh, Fred yeah. Beck that, mm-hmm. like I said, we briefly kind of talked about, but we didn't really dive into 
too heavily because it was, you know, whatever. Yeah, he, he would have like spirit guides almost. Yeah, Native American, dude, he had a a large Native American man appeared to mm-hmm. him and his fellow miners. And, and what, what was it called? Because um, I think he named like, sorry, I'm like, I think he named the the site. Oh, oh uh, yeah, no, no, dude, just, just wait. Okay, okay. So the Native American kind of appears to the miners before they had found the mine. And, he, mm-hmm. and he, he, the Native American basically told the miners to follow a white arrow that yep. would appear to them. That's right. Right? And then they should follow it. Mm-hmm. The miners followed the white arrow. So Fred Beck and his friends followed this white arrow to what would become their mine. Now, Fred also writes in his journal about being visited by another entity. He doesn't exactly describe the entity in the journal, except that he notes that it was a woman who acted as a comforting friend. Mm. And this is super interesting. They would go on to name their mine after the female spirit. The mine's name was Vander White. Mm. Holy cow, that's awesome. <laughs> that is so Incredible, cool. right, man? Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because I, I remember I, you kind of laid out a lot of like what was known. And I remember me getting really big into like all the, the sort of weird stuff mm-hmm. about Fred Beck. Because I think he would he would claim to see these sort of spirit guides like even as like a child. Yeah. You yep. know, which was super interesting. Yeah. And I think with that episode in, in particular, I think it was just like a time thing. I think we just mm-hmm. tried to condense the episode a little bit. So I wanted to make sure that we at least brought it up here and kind oh, of that's ended amazing. on that note. Because what an incredible, I mean. Yeah. You know, like, and then they went on to have that Ape Canyon experience, of course. Yeah. You know, so. Pretty scary. Whether or not the lady in white if you see her is telling of your impending death or doom, Mm -hmm. maybe it is an entity that is because of some tragic loss or some tragedy that, you know, um, befell them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever the case, I would just, you know, recommend hmm, avoiding it. I mean, mean, you know, like, but if you're taking the movie Lady in White as a lesson, Perhaps we should be helping them. I mean, you know, like, I don't really... There's a lot of mixed messages. With there's a lot of point. mixed messages, yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that's not a mixed message is I think this was a great episode. Mm. I think the topic, uh, we covered a lot of ground today. And uh, I think the movie itself is fantastic. And if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you haven't seen it in a long time, go rewatch it. Mm-hmm. I think the Lady in White Mythos, which we may end up coming back to this, because it is a pretty fascinating mm-hmm. Kind of At least aspects of it, for sure. Yeah, I mean, especially just the fact of, you know, much like Bigfoot or Sasquatch or whatever, it is this sort of world, you know, connectivity where, you know, you'll you'll hear about her in Russia, you'll hear about her in, mm-hmm. you know, the Philippines and just all over. And that's just, that's such a fascinating thing. And I, I'm sure we'll, we'll reconvene back with the Lady in White one of these days. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, by the time you're listening to this episode, that means there's only one more week left of our October Spectacular. But I can promise you that we're going to end it with a bang just like we did last year. And so you're not going to want to miss next week's episode. So be sure with whatever podcast app you use or love to use that you're subscribing to our podcast so that you Mm -hmm. never miss an episode. That would be the worst. Yeah. Right? Okay. 
<laughs> no, it's it, kind of it, like getting like raisins when you go trick or treating. Like, please, <laughs> come on, at least for the one time in the year, promote like unhealthy behavior, like eating candy. You know, mm-hmm. we can get raisins next time. Oh God, ra- I, I'm just not. I'm not a fan of raisins. Well, I, I love raisins, just not when I'm trick or treating. Well, I like raisins by themselves. I don't like them. I don't like them in cinnamon buns. Oh, I love it. Wait, is that right? Cinnamon Throw them in. Buns? Yeah. Cin- yeah, sure. Cinnamon rolls? Yeah, whatever you want to call them. Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking honey buns. and cin- I like honey buns because they do not have raisins. But, yeah, cinnamon I mean, rolls. Dude, I like to throw raisins in oatmeal and get them all, like, they kind of get plumped uh, up. It's good stuff, in, dude. Put a little in your hair. Dude, where is the best place for people to interact with us? Uh, the only place you can find and interact with us is, well, that's a lie, is Instagram, uh, where we have a nice little family growing. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Lady in White movie, the Lady in White urban legend, the myth- the mythos just in general. We'd love to hear what you think about it. If mm-hmm. you've heard of a particular urban legend or, or in something. Your area. Yeah, in your area, because those are the things that that we really like to hear. That's mm. the stuff that's like, it kind of, you know, helps connect us all together to this sort of overarching kind of thing. If you do have stuff you want to tell us, stories, whatever, feel free to DM us. If it's more long form, shoot it to that would be radpod at gmail.com. And like I always say, I know it's getting close, but uh, if you have a spooky story, if you have something that happened to you, whether super mundane or, or short or because we get a lot of people that are like, well, I've had this happen to me, but, you know, it happens so fast that there's not really much to it. It doesn't matter. We want to hear all those things. Mm-hmm. So feel free to send us a voice recording or whatever. Also, while I'm giving orders, get out there and tell one friend about the podcast just because one. that's all it takes. That's it. We just we just doubled our listenership just like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting excited about Halloween, man. I feel like it's gone so fast, though. I know, man. I know. I'm excited, too. It's going to be fun. Well, you know, we really love you guys. It's because of you that we keep this train rolling. And uh, without you, I don't know that we would do it. So, like we always say, we appreciate you. We love you. Stay spooky out there. And as always, be rad. That's the way it
clouds in a time where I just needed some sunshine. You were already dead before you became a ghost. You always said our future would be a parade of flowers, but now all that's left is a single rose. That's the way. That's amazing. I, I'd never thought about like the, um, like the the screams, like the lady mm-hmm. crying, mm-hmm. with hearing that same thing with Bigfoot. Man alive! Either way, you hear somebody screaming in the middle of the woods. Oh, and that you know that reminds me, dude. One of my first campouts, we moved to Georgia, middle of the night. Mm. We just hear this crazy scream in the middle of the night, dude. And my, in fact, dude, maybe I'll tell that story. I'll just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. yeah. Th- there's a. Uh, Remember Cooley Woods? We were just talking about this. Cooley Woods next to my house. Cool world. Uh, do I, <laughs> no. Although I did love that movie. There is like a legend around that area where there's like this this woman that's like half panther, half woman. And and that that a lot of it came from like hearing these like like crying slash like Oof. like uh, you know, cat like mm-hmm. like yeah, kind of kind of a hybrid of the two sounds. People would say they would hear around that. It's that same area that we were just talking about, but like where you were driving, like up on the the cool, hill, you cool see this, the little tree. Dangerous minds. I, I used to know every lyric. <laughs> I know, I know, man. It's amazing. All right, dude, I got to roll. Yeah, we got to get her. Barbara. One, two, three, stop. Okay.